thank you, Mark. Um, and it's great, isn't it, just to be able to um, worship together like that, to take communion together, to um, do church together. Church, we've always said, is not about building it. And this is a wonderful uh, family of God to be a part of. So um, thank you all so much. It's been lovely to see all your faces today uh, and to chat to you. And I really pray this message that God's put on my heart today uh, would really bless you and encourage you. As Jill's already mentioned, and so is Andy, um, in the Christian calendar, we're about to go into Holy Week. And today is uh, what's traditionally known as Palm Sunday, the day that we remember Jesus riding into Jerusalem amid, amid praise and worship whilst riding on a donkey. At least that's the Sunday school version. We make palm branches and we sing praises to Jesus. But as I've looked into this, as I've read the passages much more slowly, I found a deeper, richer element to the story and some questions that have challenged me in the current crisis. But first, let's read the passages from Scripture. Now, this story is told in each of the Gospels, but I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19 verses 28 to 44. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anybody asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. <coughs> they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had no only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. Now, my first reflection is that the Lord was recognised as the Messiah. I've always wondered why people praised Jesus one week and by the end of the next had killed him. I found it hard to see how people had changed so much in their view in just a week. Has that ever struck you as strange? But on reading it again, slowly, God highlighted a few things to me. 
The people who were praising Jesus as the Davidic Messiah, the King of the Jews, as he rode on that donkey, were not the same as the Jews in Jerusalem who begged Pilate to kill him. Let's read verse 37 again. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. The people praising Jesus were his disciples and the crowds that had followed him and listened to his teaching. In particular, we know from John's gospel that Jesus was in Bethany, where Mary, Martha and Lazarus lived, the same Lazarus who Jesus had raised from the dead. This was a crowd who had seen the wonders and powers of God at work in Jesus firsthand, and they knew who he was. They laid out their cloaks on the road to symbolise their submission to Jesus as king, and they laid out palm branches to symbolise victory for the Jewish nation. Not everybody recognised Jesus as the promised, long-awaited Messiah, the king and saviour of the Jews. Luke tells us that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus is telling us that even if people were stopped from declaring who he is, his glory and identity will not be hidden or go unrecognised. We also read in Matthew's Gospel how the Jews in Jerusalem responded. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Despite all that Jesus had said and done, some still did not recognise who he was and in what authority he came. The Jews were expecting the Messiah to come in political and military victory as the king to conquer the dreaded Roman oppressors. They would have expected him to ride in on a mighty steed dressed for battle, not on a humble donkey. But Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And instead of defeating the Roman invaders, he won an even greater victory, bringing an even greater freedom. He defeated Satan, sin and death, so that we can experience a life of freedom, of abundance and of deep joy. He defeated fear and delivered hope. He took the punishment that we all deserve as sinful human beings, as we put other things, other thoughts, other actions above those which honour God. He took that punishment so that we, when we accept what he's done, repent of our sin and accept him as Lord of our lives, can know new life, eternal life, with God and in his kingdom forever. Right now, we're facing a new enemy, an invisible enemy, one who has invaded not just our nation, but all nations. And like the Romans, this enemy is no match for our God. Coronavirus is not bigger than God. It might bring destruction and devastation, but I trust his promise that he is at work through it. And I know that Jesus has still won the victory over darkness, over Satan, sin and death. I know that he offers eternal life in its fullness, starting now. My challenge for you today is this. Do you recognise Jesus? Are you worshipping Jesus as the Messiah, as the saviour of God's people?
do you know that his victory is an eternal one and that nothing, certainly not coronavirus, can undo that? And if you don't know Jesus, if perhaps you're watching this online, never having opened a Bible or gone to church, I want to let you know that Jesus has fought the battle, won the fight and conquered death for you. There is nothing you've done that means God doesn't love you. Nothing you've done that makes you too dirty for him. Nothing you've done that can't be redeemed. If you want to know this Jesus, if you want to give your life to him today, if you want to be the hope and peace and joy that he brings, please get in touch with um, the church via our website, gracevineyard.co.uk, so one of us can get in touch and talk with you more. And at the end of this talk, I will give an opportunity for prayer, which is just a time to speak with God and invite him into your life. <clears throat> My second point is that the Lord wept over the city. We read in Luke 19 verse 41 that as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. He stopped. He he looked, he cried out, and he wept. Jesus is full of compassion, full of love. He longs for people to recognise him, to know him, to know him like we know a friend, not just to know of him, to live their lives for him as their king. Not because he's arrogant and proud, because he's loving and he wants us to have the best, to live the best life. This wasn't about his ego or ambition. It wasn't an arrogant procession that he was a part of. No, Jesus was heartbroken for the city and the people that he'd come to save, that he'd come to die for. And while the crowd around him cried out in praise, I can imagine Jesus being a lot more solemn, quieter and less jubilant. Victory hadn't yet been won and he knew that it would come at a price. Now it might help if we look at a map to get a better understanding of the geography and landscape we're looking at. Bethphage is traditionally located less than a mile east of Jerusalem on the southwest slope of the Mount of Olives which rises 2,660 feet or 811 meters above sea level and directly overlooks the temple area. As Jesus rode along, slowly on the donkey, he would have had an excellent view over the city, much like the one on the previous slide. I don't know whether you've ever had that experience. For me, sometimes if the weather's good, I can be up on Farthing Downs in Coolsdon and see the whole of London before me. I can see the skyscrapers of the city and of Canary Wharf and I pray over the city. And as I run lower down the hill, I get a wonderful view of the homes of Coolsdon and my heart cries out for the salvation of our town. And as I look out of my bedroom window at the homes in my street, I pray to the Lord for their protection and blessing. Jesus too weeps over our city, our nation, our world, just as he did Jerusalem. And sometimes he gives us his heart, so we are driven to our knees in prayer and our feet in action.
throughout the craziness, the anxiety, the fear, I feel God has given me a glimpse of his heart for the world, of his aching heart at the state of his creation, of his longing for the people of this world to turn back to him in repentance. Is your heart broken too? As we see the fear that comes as things that people have put their faith in fall apart, the economy, our health, education, jobs, all have been shown to be wanting. And yet there is one who is unchanging, who is faithful, who is slow to anger and rich in love, who is truth. That one is Jesus and his body, not just his heart, was broken and bled for us. Are you on your knees? Do you weep? as Jesus wept. My third and final point is that the Lord is sovereign. This week, Mike and I have been reading through Zechariah and we came across the Old Testament prophecy that foretold the story that we've been looking at today of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Let me read it to you. This is taken from Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 12. (coughs) Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. There is so much in this prophecy for Judah at the time, for Jesus, and for us. I'd really recommend just taking some time to reflect and meditate on this passage later today. And this prophecy proves that Jesus' decision to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey was not just a random act. It had been planned and orchestrated by our sovereign Lord centuries before. Our God is the beginning and the end. He is the one who flung the stars into space and knows them by name. He is the one who, after he had died and risen again, is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, with all things under his feet, his reign, his rule and his authority. And we need to remember that. Nothing is bigger than our God. Not the mighty Roman army, not death on a cross, not cancer and not the coronavirus. In all things, he works for the good of those who love him. All authority has been given to him and he will be with us always. So as we come into land, my question to you, to us, is are we trusting in our sovereign king? And you may be asking, well, how do we trust him? Or how do we keep on trusting him as time? And time and again in the Bible, we see the people of God looking back and remembering what he's done in the past in order to build faith. Trust in God's character, his goodness and promises, 
for the now and the future. At the time of today's story, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem coincided with Passover, when the Jews look back and remember the time God saved them from death and the oppression of the Egyptians. It was a time for remembering God's faithfulness, his authority and his sovereignty. And again, in the book of Psalms and Hebrews, it's full of examples of how our faith is built as we look back at what the Lord has done and the way he works through his people in difficult and challenging times. And the same is true for us today as we share testimonies of what God's done in our lives. Hebrews chapter 11 is particularly helpful at reminding us that trusting in God doesn't mean that life in this world is going to be rosy and good but that he has something greater planned for us. And at the end of the chapter, the writer says this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Mm -hmm. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. As we enter what's traditionally known as Holy Week in the run-up to the Resurrection Sunday or, or Easter, and again, as we took communion this morning, we are looking back and we're remembering the victory that was won for us at the cross, of the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And remembering that same power is at work in us, alive in us, and that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. As Jill has taught us over the last few years, as we meditate on scripture and allow God to speak to us through it, our faith is strengthened and we can of the enemy, particularly fear and lies. So in conclusion, as we reread this familiar story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey to the praise of the people, let's remember he is recognised as the victorious Messiah, our King and our Lord. He is full of compassion and weeps over our city, our nation and the world. He is sovereign over all things and we can trust in him, even in times of crisis and death. And as Mark said earlier, I just want to give some time for ministry now an opportunity for you just to reflect and respond to God with what he's been stirring in you as I've spoken.
For some of you, it'll be about recognising Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. For others, it'll be about a desire that he's placing on your heart to weep and cry out to him in prayer. And for others, he's been reminding you that he is in control and to trust him and look to him in these times of darkness. Now, if I can get the technology right, so I'm just going to play a song in the background while we each come to Jesus now. And I'll close in prayer in a few minutes time.
Lord Jesus, thank you for this time we've had together this morning. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for re revealing more of yourself to us as we reread this familiar story. Lord, for those of us who want to make you our Lord and Saviour, we're sorry for the things we've done, said and thought that have put a barrier between us and you. We thank you for your forgiveness and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will help us repent and live lives for you. Thank you for your free gift of grace and salvation to us. Lord, for those of us who you've given an overwhelming desire to pray, thank you that you share your heart with us. Help us to persevere in prayer and for breakthrough. And Lord, for those of us who are feeling weak, vulnerable, scared and anxious at this time, thank you for reminding us of your faithfulness, your goodness and your love towards us, your precious children. Thank you for your powerful word and for your Holy Spirit. Bless us all, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Um, and ju just before I hand it over to Mark, um, I just wanted to say if there's anybody today, either anything that's come up from the talk, anything that's kind of um, you would like prayer for generally anyway, um, then please do get in touch with someone. It could be one of the leaders, it could be somebody else in the church. And uh, just have, ask for prayer today. Um, we can't be there. Um, to pray in person and come up to the front like we do at church but um, we would love to pray with you so please do get in touch with somebody today and the other thing is um, we mentioned this last week but just if, if God has been stirring your heart to pray uh, particularly at this time um, there are two things that I'd love just to do a quick plug for um, one is um, the 24-7 uh, prayer diary prayer room that Mike's set up which will continue to run until the third of may um at least um so um we sent out the links last week if anybody wants to take part in that you can sign up for just one hour you can sign up for an hour every day or um once a week whatever you want to do whatever you feel led to do uh, but there's that opportunity and then also um through work i'm part of um an, an initiative called pray london um, we prayed um at an online prayer meeting last sunday we've got one again this sunday at seven o'clock um before the queen's speech um, if you'd like to know more about that, um, go and visit praylondon.co.uk. Um, that would be great. Thanks very much. I'm going to hand over to Mark now.